Cayman Nature, a journey in search of a peaceful and prosperous society with human nature as a guide. Led by your host, Adam Heyman. That was so energetic, Mano. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, we have a great episode today, folks, um, because Tyrone has a little uh, issue uh, going on and a video to play that somehow manages to link people freezing in the Albertan, Al- Albertan winter with the concept of sovereignty and uh, the reason for my Moses quote right there next to my name. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what uh, what you've got for us, Tyrone? Uh, yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, I saw this uh, video online uh, a while back and sent it to you. Um, wanted to get your your thoughts on it as, as a general topic overall. I thought it would be a good sort of launching point for a general conversation on the topic of sovereignty, secession, national divorce, whatever you want to call it, things that things that are sort of to uh, cropping up in, in the mainstream uh, political discussion these days. So so there's this article from CBC, the Canadian um, Broadcast Corporation. So this is obviously, as you mentioned, happening in Alberta. Um, the headline of the article says Alberta invokes sovereignty act over federal clean electricity regulations. The, the subtitle is premier Danielle Smith believes net zero electricity grid by 2035 is risky, risky and costly. And just the first couple of paragraphs of the article to give it some context. Uh, and then we'll play this little video clip. Uh, the article says Alberta's United Conservative government has invoked its controversial sovereignty act for the first time by introducing a resolution to push back against the federal government's proposed clean electricity regulations. The resolution tabled in the Alberta legislature Monday instructs governments and provincial entities such as the Alberta Electric System Operator and the Alberta Utilities Commission to ignore the regulations when they come into force, quote, to the extent legally permissible, unquote. So what's going on here? There's a lot of these environmental Green New Deal type initiatives coming that are going to shut down traditional power plants. And uh, hey, Last I checked, Alberta can be a pretty cold place in the winter, and, and maybe this this might might pose um, some some issues uh, coming forward. So so here's what uh, they have. It, it's it's weird when you um, read other countries like titles, like we would call our state leaders governors, right, and cities mayors. So uh, she, Danielle Smith, is the premier. I got to say, Canada's winning on that one. Premier is way cooler than governor. <laughs> it just sounds so, I, I, I don't know. It sounds so ominous for, for some reason to me. But anyway. Would you rather be a premier? Uh, oh, for sure. A premier. For sure. All right. So here's a video clip of Premier Danielle Smith uh, giving a news uh, briefing about this. Persists in trying to regulate and remake Alberta's electrical system from generation to transmission to distribution, which will make life more expensive for families and put the reliability of our grid at risk. And they're pushing ahead with their plan, even though Section 92A of the Constitution of Canada is clear that legislating and regulating the development of electricity falls within the jurisdiction of the provinces. Alberta's government is committed to protecting Albertans from federal overreach. That is why uh, this afternoon I intend to table a resolution in the chamber 
under the Alberta Sovereignty within a United Canada Act. We developed this legislation to shield the province from federal intrusions, and we're using it now because the consequences of this particular overreach would be so severe. Alberta will bear the largest share of the expenses required to meet these absurd targets, and consumers and businesses will see their bills soar. If the federal government has its way, many people will be left without electricity that they can pay for on a power grid that will fall short or even fail in a typical Alberta winter or summer. We refuse to go along with this plan. I mean, if they come through with the clean electricity regs, they will be mandating that we have to have essentially an emissions-free power grid by 2035. That means no one will build natural gas. We don't have a regulatory framework to build nuclear. No one will build nuclear. We don't have the resources to build hydro. No one will build hydro. So if we do not act, we will end up with instability in our grid. We will either not be able to grow as a province or we will end up with, uh, with brownouts and blackouts. That's, that's the pathway that the federal government is giving us. And I've just said, no, we are not doing that. So that's that kind of gives you the gist of it. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a longer interview. You can search it out for yourself. But but I thought it was interesting that um, I, I I can't remember so, so much um, what you and I might term nullification. Uh, we certainly have seen it uh, happen in the United States with different states legalizing things like marijuana uh, against the the laws of the, of the federal government um and and i think i think we're just going to see more more and more of it so i i thought this would be a, a good just sort of talking talking point again you know what we try to do in this show is take real world um things that are happening in the real world the political landscape or cultural landscape and tie them back to a philosophical principle principle so the 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 principle here we're going to tie this to ultimately is is just the idea of of sovereignty itself and what does that mean and well uh, that was a fascinating video and it does bring up a whole bunch of issues that uh, we'll get into but the first one is what do you think was that two midget women or was that one giant man <laughs> that was really distracting <laughs> that guy was huge yeah they uh, they need uh they need a, a, a some some sort of PR or uh, <laughs> advertising professional is like okay yeah put put her up on a podium or something or a you know, raised stage you're right I, I didn't notice that you're right um but anyway um yeah i'm a big fan of what this lady is doing um apparently i mean i think these people these legislatures in in various countries are just are just hallucinating about what is possible uh, apparently there, this clean, uh, clean electricity bill, uh, mandates an emissions free power grid by 2035. Crazy. They are, I mean, she talks about trying to have Alberta grow as of course, every economy needs to at this stage in our development, but it's worse than growth. Uh, these people are going to freeze. Alberta is cold. And so I'm very happy for her standing up in the way that she's doing. In fact, she's claiming that the Canadian Constitution um, mandates that these sorts of decisions be made at the provincial level rather than the um, uh, federal level. So I hope she has firm ground to stand on. But whether she does or not, as you just elucidated, there's an enormous wave of nullification moments like these where people who are feeling oppressed by their central government are just saying, you know what? you're wrong here and to hell with you. And in the States, you know, 
on the left side of issues, one of the biggest ones is marijuana. Uh, it is still a, a criminal, you know, uh, an illegal substance, but in, in several states in our union, that just, that just doesn't matter. The states are saying, I do not care. I interpose myself between our citizens and you, the federal uh, regulators, and we're just going to do what we want. And you're getting things on, on the second amendment grounds, uh, legal tender grounds. Um, and I, I'm very happy about it. Um, we're also getting all across the globe secessionist movements, which is maybe nothing new um, in human history, but uh, at a time in our in our civilization where nation states seem to be, you know, the the currency of of the globe, I think it's very interesting that some people are are striking back against that and wanting to control their own polity um, in a more decentralized way. Um, like maybe we went too far with this massive centralization that we've done over the last couple hundred years, and I'm all for it. Um, we were talking or before the before we hit record here, Tyrone, and I was just looking up on uh, on Wikipedia, and if you just put into it, uh, uh, what is the what is the phrase? uh separatism yeah separatism uh we'll, we'll pull it up for you there's a list all across the globe uh you know of a couple several dozen uh peoples that want to be uh freed from their central uh central government um we just had uh brexit where britain wanted out of the european union uh, we just had referendums in scotland where they wanted away from uh, Britain. I think every year Texas wants to secede from the United States. And for uh, four random years, I don't know why it would be, but from 2016 to uh, 2020, the great state of California, for some reason, wanted to break apart from the United States too. I don't know what that would have had anything to do with. Um, and then you've got, you know, the Basques in uh, France and Spain, uh, the Catalan uh, people in Spain, um, all all over Europe and all over Africa and all over Asia, you've got people that want to not be ruled by people they consider to be oppressors. And I, I don't know what you think, Tyrone, but I, I find that to be a good thing. Yeah. When you, so, you know, say what you will about Wikipedia, whatever we, we all use it and, that, and that's fine. But yeah, here, here, here's the, the, the site you uh, listed just under the heading of separatism. And, and I was shocked when you, when you shared this with me, there's just whole categories you, you, there, there's movements in in every every part of the world right now so i mean it's uh it's, it's happening everywhere there's there's different groups and i mean i suppose in a way that th this is this has always been happening throughout human history um obviously war wars essentially are you know, not sometimes in a way a secessionist <laughs> it's it's definitely two groups not getting along if you would just want to define uh uh secessionism as or separate separatism I, I i mean to say separatism as just like we we we, do, we want to be apart we, we don't want to be together and that's a set we don't want to cooperate with each other we don't want to live peacefully with each other and that's that's just the, the could be a literal definition of war is just uh anti-separatism or pro-separatism i guess but uh so so yes in a way this has happened throughout history it, it continues to happen and and maybe every generation says this like it's it's worse now than it ever was before or the, things are changing so so much more quickly but 
I don't know. I think objectively that's true. It, Brexit um, in, in, in recent uh, history, I mean, I know that was a, a narrow margin, but the fact that something like that could even happen <laughs> is crazy. Even if it gets overturned and they end up just going back to the to the European Union, um, the fact that states in the United States are just saying no to federal regulation. I mean, marijuana is a great example, but so so was COVID during the time. Some governors just said we're we're not going along with the the federal mandates or guidelines. Things that are happening in Texas. There's now a Texas a Tex what what is it called Texit Texas something like. Like that movement, and then the the governor down there, Governor Abbott, um, you know, saying, "Hey, we're going to build our own walls, you know, no matter what what you say." So there's always been, and even even in a way, peaceful protests, you know, things like Gandhi had led or, or whatever, um, may not technically have been classified as a separatist movement, but it's it's basically saying we're not going to go along with your rules and and way of saying things anymore. But when you shared that the wikipedia page I, I i was amazed at just how many are going on in the world and in a way that's just my own ignorance it's in a way it's um the terrible state of the american news media like Amer americans are so ignorant about what what's happening in the rest of the world it, it's it's just insane i i, I don't know well uh <clears throat> why will you applaud all these separatist movements um, I suppose we had to give the devil its due and talk a little bit about why there was a push for centralization in the first place. And you get that Hobbesian sort of argument that people need to group together for security and cultural continuity. And without doing so, you get chaos, you get civil war, you find yourself too small a unit um, militarily to protect yourself from encroachment and war. So you could certainly make a, you could certainly see why we've always been groupish people, you know, obviously as a species, we're not atomistic and you can certainly see why you might be tempted to create something like a state for self-protection. Um, you do have a little bit of a problem in the fact that hardly ever in actual history is that the way states are formed. It's usually just one people conquering another, but throwing that aside, you know, there's an argument to be made that you get some good from uh, centralization um, and the recent cause to break up just means like maybe we've gone too far, but as you centralize political power, you come up with a problem or at least something that needs to be uh, dealt with, which is, well, then who gets to make the decisions for these people? You know, in super, super olden days, it was who gets to be the chief, right? In a sort of a might makes right sort of paradigm, you know, where we're barely a little bit more than, than orangutans. Um, and then as you get, as we got more, uh, more fanciful notions of why one person or a group of people should be leaders, it, it, it evolved into different things like the, you know, we had the d divine right of Kings for a long, long time. And in the East, the Chinese had a, you know, mandate of, of, of heaven or however they phrased it and you get more uh and then you get you know lineages based on these sorts of theories and so usually when we think of the concept of sovereignty it's in relationship to a sovereign who holds dominion over a particular geographical piece of land and a particular group of people whether they like it or not <laughs> so 
you know, even giving the devil his due, um, you can certainly see why some people who are just born into that situation might, might, uh, bristle at that, especially when you consider just how arbitrary it is. I mean, go back to your Wikipedia there and put in Kurdistan into it, and you will find this interesting history of these this, these people, the Kurds, who were conquered by the Ottoman Empire long ago and have been ruled over by all sorts of different people. Then after World War One, you know, they split their, not country exactly, but their the region of their people into parts of Turkey and Syria and uh, Iran and Iraq. And they've been dealing with feeling like they're uh, a conquered and oppressed people by various different uh, regimes ever since. And you can certainly understand, and the same with the Catalans and Spain. And you can certainly see why people feel uh, feel that the proper political divisions on the map are are not there yet. You know, so maybe we shouldn't etch in stone exactly where all the boundaries are, because some people are feel like they're they're being a little bit uh, put upon and I don't blame them. Yeah. <clears throat> I like to do these thought experiments. So I, th I think what, what, what you said was right. And this was actually, so since you just did the interview with Stefan Kinsella, this was another point, another light bulb moment um, for me that I, that I learned from him was that um, the type of, sort of libertarian anarchist world that we envision in our minds is sort of where we want society to eventually go. Uh, I recall Stephen Kinsella kind of making the point that that requires a level of technology to achieve before it can be done. And I remember, um, again, on that point, Leonard Peikoff, the intellectual heir of, of Ayn Rand, made, made a comment. Now, granted, I have a lot of problems with Leonard Peikoff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the, the the I remember him saying one time that the objectivist um, moral philosophy is not possible pre-industrial society, and and so that 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 gets gets me thinking to a thought experiment going back 150,000, 200,000 years ago, and whenever you want to say the first humans came about, there's no way a libertarian sort of society would have been possible right it was just fight for survival and so you can imagine back then evolutionarily speaking it was advantageous to have some people predisposed to be bullies and dictators and quote unquote the chiefs to take the lead and 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 just um force you know impose their will upon the group in order for for survival so if you imagine that sort of natural evolution of how human societies must have come about, I'm not, I'm not saying it did. I don't have a time machine. There's really, there's no records really to, to go back. But if you just think logically, this this must have ha how it had been worked, that a, a group would have formed a leader, turned into a chief, a tribal leader, who then turned into a king, who then, as societies grew, turned into the president or prime minister or whatever. So we're still sort of under this ancient, you know, caveman system that has lasted all, throughout all these years. And the industrial revolution just happened a couple hundred years ago. So we're just, we're so early in the evolution of our society. And uh, I think Kinsella put it 
as I recall what he had said, that it in order to get to that fully free, individually autonomous, anarcho-libertarian society, it's going to require a more advanced level of technology than we have today. And when David Friedman wrote his book, Machinery of Freedom, he tells the story when he showed it to his father, Milton Friedman. Milton told David, you know, uh, I think there's a chance that this could work, but probably not. And and David said, I think that there's a chance uh, it might not work, but probably would. But no, no one's 100% convinced that the that the pure anarcho-capitalist society, even the, even the the forefought leaders of it, like 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 Friedman, are convinced it, it were were ready for it as a as a species. So I think I think we're transitioning. I think, uh, and and I think we're getting to close to that technological point where we can become more self-sufficient and need less protection from states and governments. Um, do you agree with any of what I just sort of said? What are your thoughts on that? I can certainly see why you might think that. And a lot of the things that we would need for proper anarcho-capitalism, uh, a certain amount of wealth, capital, and most especially uh, the means to communicate, obviously would have been harder back before these things were invented. I definitely think we have enough now. But the concept of individual rights and institutional rights um, and the ebb and flow between centralization and decentralization, it hasn't moved in one long uh, journey. It's gone in fits and starts. I mean, like even as chieftains were, you know, progressing into kings, the, the the kingdoms didn't ossify into nation states and the king it's himself didn't uh, aggregate total power um, unto himself until rather late in the game. I mean, historically there were always rights um, held by other members of the aristocracy. The church had certain rights. Uh, guilds had certain rights. Um, cities, uh, city states, you know, even within a, a uh, an ostensible kingdom had certain rights and traditions. Uh, the king was he held in check by custom. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe it's the mob with torches and pitchforks that, that is the final protector of these customs, but the customs nevertheless existed. And I think it's something that's changed relatively recently in the last, I don't know, hundred years, just say roughly, um, that we've really created, um, again, ossified structures of political power, or even though our constitutions, both here and in Canada, say we have federalism and different states and different provinces that have, as as recorded in law, their own specific uh, regions of sovereignty that are supposed to be pretty big. We've, we've abandoned that idea in, in favor of one set of laws only for the entire 350 million people in the United States and however many they have in Canada, what, 20, 30? I don't know. It's pretty small. Yeah. So I think, I think what you're getting, and we kind of talked, um, touched on this in, on an earlier episode is that these aren't necessarily ideologically driven movements. Right. It may just, it may just be a matter of math that once a society's population gets to a certain size, there's just too many people with too many different ideas and viewpoints to all get along. And so there may be, I won't call it an ideal number, but there, there may be a more 
just built into our nature a certain size limit to to how big we can we can make a, a, a government. So the, so if if I'm if I'm a small Amish community of only 250 people, then the one size fits all rules work because it's it's smaller, it's more manageable. We can all agree. But as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, even the Amish split off. They they sort of have a, a hard limit of around that 250 people mark. As far as I understand, once they get bigger than that, they'll split and they'll form a, another um, uh, community. So I think maybe that's just what we're seeing. Uh, America is over 300 million people. It's just, it's just too many people for everybody to get along. And 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 we're naturally, as human beings, just we 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 need groups. We need societies, but we we can't be too big before a conflict happens a couple of things um we definitely need societies obviously even as an anarchist i'm not denying that right and you definitely hit on one of the variables that's germane uh just size population size obviously the size of the most nation states and especially our own is way too big but i think there are other factors too um there's an episode of the tom wood show recently where uh, he was interviewing a a world traveler who wrote a book and he talked about what it is that makes up quote unquote a people. And so I think okay. there's an aspect of culture, shared values, language, obviously. Mm -hmm. So anytime one central state is trying to uh, govern by force people that have size as a matter, as you said, but also just cultural and linguistic uh, dissimilarities, that's going to cause some friction and make people want to break away. And, uh, the the topic of the show is sovereignty and we're talking about alberta you know bucking against the sovereign or asserting its own sovereignty uh, versus the canadian central government and all these secession movements and uh, efforts to nullify various edicts and as i was talking with stefan kinsella um, the principle of libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism is based on the sovereignty the only sovereignty that's that's actually true the sovereignty of yourself you definitely own your own person you own your own body it's the first thing you own it's the most important thing you own you definitely are sovereign over yourself and anything bigger than that that's imposed by force is a bit of a problem and leads to leads to inevitable breakup it's a system that's not stable so as you were saying before we need we need obviously massive society you know, our cult, we're, we are groupish as a species and we need to get together to grow things, to build things, to have fun, uh, to engage in a, a common legislature by which we have rules. We can trade amongst one another and we need protection. Obviously, we need to group together for that. But it needs to be based on the voluntary interaction of sovereign individuals because the locus of sovereignty, if it's going to be applicable to our human nature, needs to be located in the individual. And then every social contract that exists for groupings of people needs to be an actually signed on the dotted line contract, mm -hmm. not, this, not this mythological one that right. we just assume we signed in the womb before we were even <laughs> ejected into this world and... and and we need to like flee to another uh, planet at this point to, to get away from it or something. <laughs> so sovereignty is individual and our groups that are formed that make us thrive as a human society need to be voluntary. And that's key. And I think all these secession efforts, I don't think they have this in their brain, this philosophical concept. No. 
But I think instinctively, that's what they're reacting to. They want to get closer yeah. to their smaller political decentralized units that are much closer to my libertarian ideal and away from these ossified states that the nation state is a is going to be a blot in human history, I think, in a thousand years. But like, how could we ever have thought this was a good idea? Yeah. So I, I think I, I think that's exactly right. I think I think this is more instinctual, more reactionary. But I think then that creates an opportunity for people like you and me who have the philosophical arguments to to justify those instinctual feelings and connect that to to a philosophical argument i think i think it, i think it's an opportunity for us to spread that message because if people are feeling this angst feeling this something is wrong they're going to be looking for right. why that is they're going right. to be looking for am, am i right about feeling this way and 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 if so you know how how to make sense of it and so that's when we can come in present present some arguments and and hopefully you know convert some some people to our side if, if you give them because because they're going to be looking for an answer from somebody you know uh, and and the first person that comes along like we had talked about in a previous episode with the fire hose and the burning house they're just going to go with them so so um you know yeah, they the first an person that yeah and they also need a justification i mean you're That's going right. to get a lot further in your, you know, let my people go declaration if you have something more solid to stand on, uh, except, you know, screw you, guy. <laughs> right. Get, get off my lawn. I mean, it, it, you're going to go further in these uh, secession efforts and nullification efforts if you have a strong argument as to why your position isn't just your preference. It's yeah. right in some sense, you know, pointing to some set of values. And, uh, so yeah, I hope these ideas catch on. I think the impetus, the emotional impetus, the instinctive impetus is catching on. And anything we can do to fill the sails of that movement and, and push it along, I say yay. Yeah, the the thing I like to say to, I guess, conservatives, if you want to call them that, or people on the right or whatever, the the, the people that give lip service to limited government, I'll say when when all you talk about liberated government all you're talking about is spending so mm. you're talking about the the size of the budget limited government i actually like to kind of needle them a little bit or, or try try to make the extra point that limited government shouldn't just mean the size of the budget but the size of the geography so when 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 I, when you look at it that way and i don't think i don't think most people have ever thought about limited government not just being limited by money but by limited by actual physical geography size the small you know smaller government means smaller territory so so for me uh that's what i mean by limited government uh, that's really interesting i mean usually um in our circles the two dimensions that are brought up for limited government is the size which you're interpreting as the size of the budget and the scope which refers to how much of civil life does the government actually have authority over? The founders wanted that very small. Uh, Joe Biden wants it infinite. Mm -hmm. uh, but you make a great point. We don't often think about the size um, issue being uh, purely territorial or, the, or numerical because, uh, as we mentioned earlier, 
Um, this is too big. <laughs> I don't know what the proper size is, even if you're a minarchist and not an anarchist like me, but whatever the proper size for minarchy, um, this is way too big. Yeah, and I mean, I think I learned that lesson from the Amish. I mean, I think the Amish have a lot to teach us, even though, you know, they, they've rejected sort of the technological advancement that we like, but they literally, when they get to a too large of a size, they split. Because yeah, just, their, their insight is human beings can only get along with so many people at one time. In a way, I, I mean, I'm kind of... I've heard theorists say this. that evolutionarily speaking the number's about 150 that that we can like mentally care for yeah. have some emotional yeah. connection to something exactly. like that right so and i think me, as our yeah as our technology increases I, I also you don't need to care for every member of your group the exact same much you know mm -hmm. you're gonna the people in your in your family you're gonna care for a little bit more than the people who live right next door than the people who live at the far ends of the village whatever it is and i think with modern communication we can extend way beyond that 150 thing especially if it's voluntary but but it, but it, but it's it's so much easier to have direct control over your 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 life your government your your community when it's smaller yeah i mean if you live in a town of 100 people and your mayor the mayor's your neighbor that you grew up with and you both you know play softball together or or whatever you know you you have a lot more direct influence and connection to your community to your government versus a country of 300 million people that have 435 representatives in congress what you you have no influence it's and also so you uh, lose all connection it's all in, also community. interesting when you're talking about the formation of an anarchist society i think you're right if the force equation was taken off or if all interactions had to be voluntary i think the the social uh, formations like think of an HOA as a clumsy uh, and uh, right placeholder. I think those would be small, like a village, mm -hmm. but we don't have to give up on having global commerce because That's we can right. also voluntarily enter into a purchasing set of rules like, you know, visa might govern or, or Amex mm -hmm. or eBay. You know, right. we can still have all of the powerful things uh, that you get from, uh, specialization, division of labor, global trade, um, and you don't have to inject force into that. Uh, you just have to have rules that everybody agrees on. And you do that, and it doesn't really matter what your culture is. You know, we can, mm -hmm. uh, a Muslim can pick up a Jew in a cab, you know, and no, there doesn't have to be any problem there. <laughs> we right. all agree on one set of rules for this transaction and this right. set of property. And when you go home, you have different sets of rules. You, exactly. One side follows Sharia and the other follows the Talmud or whatever. Mm -hmm. and we've made a mistake in ossifying every single aspect of our relations by force to everybody in one geographical unit. And if the, the quicker we learn that that was a, a dead end uh, and reverse course, uh, the better off we'll be. Yeah, I always I always say to people, I think if if we can just somehow make it as a species another twenty years, I, I think I think I, I think for two hundred thousand years we basically lived at Stone Age caveman levels. Industrial Revolution comes along, and look how fast technology has just gone. I mean, I and think human we'll, prosperity, the hockey yeah. stick of human prosperity, is amazing. No matter how you measure it, you know, caloric intake. Uh, the ability to do work, you know, whatever it is, whatever measure of 
human progress, even in the poorest areas of this planet. It's just so shot what, up like yeah. a rocket. So once we get to the technological point where I'll have my own little personal nuclear reactor in my house to power right. all my power needs. I'll have a robot in my house to perform surgery if I need it. I'll have the thing from Star Trek where if I want a meal, I just push a button and I get a steak dinner. I will have my own technological autonomy. I won't need the government for anything. I won't need all these other things that 200,000 years ago, we needed brute force to 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 protect us just just to survive. So I, I think if we can just avoid blowing ourselves to pieces or or killing ourselves with with some some virus or something, twenty years, man, I'm just seeing all the stuff that's being worked on right now. I, I think we're close to another just breakout moment. I think so you're right. I, I think we're close to right, ever, but we got to get there. Uh, like I'm we're a, on the edge. I'm optimistic as well. Um, I think we we're almost at the point assuming we don't blow, blow ourselves up or disintegrate from identity politics and racial animus and sexual animus, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. But as we wrap up here, I just want to, uh, yeah, I just want to say two things about to you about your hypothetical future. A, the star Trek replicator is magic. So don't put all your eggs in that basket. And B, I can't help but noticing <laughs> that you've enslaved an artificial intelligence and, uh, we got to have a conversation about that. That thing's sentient. Your your <laughs> robo surgeon. What are you doing, man? The robo surgeon. It's sentient. Okay. All right. Obviously. Well, that is a deep philosophical conversation for another day, Adam. Well, once again, thanks for uh, the great conversation. Uh, it's definitely a topic that uh, is going to be picking up steam here, especially in 2024. Uh, I think we'll have a lot more to say about that. Uh, any any final words for our our listeners? Um, just a thank you to you, Tyrone, and to all our listeners slash viewers uh, for sticking with us. We love talking to you, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Awesome. Well, remember, everybody, like, subscribe, all that jazz, blah, blah, blah. All right. Thanks, Adam. We'll talk to you later.